Mark chapter 8. You know, it's interesting as you think about this passage. You know, we, um, when I was growing up, uh, my, uh, I never knew my grandparents. My, um, you know, my, um, my, my, two of my grandparents died before I was born. My uh, grandmother, uh, my, my grandfather died on, when I was one. And then my grandmother that I actually knew, she actually died on my 15th birthday, but was ill my whole life. So I don't remember them. I don't really, I never had time with them. But, but you know, Robin's experience was totally different. She knew her grandparents for the time that I had with them and knew her grandparents better than I knew my own. And, um, and I'm grateful for the time that I had with them. And it was interesting uh, when we were married, Robin's grandfather, who was a pastor his whole life, he, he got saved at 18 and very quickly became a pastor. And what's interesting about him, he came to our house and spent a week with us. And as he was at our house that week, he had this incredibly large print Bible that, that he had. And it was, because, you know, we get older, things start to not work as much. We, we've been saying to Misael, hey, it's tough getting old, you know, because he's got, got an injury. We're like, yeah, you know, getting old's not for sissies. Charles and I were talking about that. And, um, but Gr- Grandpa Shelton was at our house, and, and every morning he got up, and he, um, and he came to the kitchen table, and he took out his Bible. And one day I was like, John, what, what do you read? What, what do you read? And it was a passage in Matthew, I think. And, and I, go, I go, John, how many times have you read that? And he goes, I don't know. I go, how many times have you preached that passage? And he's like, more than once. And he goes, I don't know. He goes, but then he said to me, he said, you know, you just live by this truth that, that, that God's word is new every day. And God had something for him. You know, that's, that's the truth. Lamentations chapter 2, 22 and 23 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And you know, this is why I come with an attitude of expectation, because God speaks through his word. And, and, and this morning, uh, we're, we're going to encounter the word that we've read this week. And, and I, I want to challenge you, if you've not jumped in with us on reading through the Bible, I want to encourage you to jump in where we are. We read Mark chapter 8 this week. And, 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 and you know, God uses his word to constantly remind us of his faithfulness. And so this morning, I want us to stand together and and let's look at this passage, Mark chapter 8. I don't know, can we get the lights up a little bit more? Is that that possible? I'd love to uh, see it a little bit more if we can. Um, It's a little dark. Um, But but I want us to read this passage today because I think it's a really, really good passage. Mark chapter 8, 22 through 26. It says this, and they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man. Oh, perfect. That's better. Uh, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had, when he had spit on his eyes and laid hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again and opened his eyes. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. 
And then he sent him home saying, do not even enter the village. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Maybe see it. I love that. I love standing in honor of God's word because it's just a statement that points us to the fact that God is speaking and we want to look to him. But, but you know, let's, let's look at this passage. Let's consider what's going on in Mark chapter 8. I think it's really interesting. And the first thing I want us to see in Mark chapter 8, and let's, let's, let's dig into this. Let's, let's, let's grab this. And, that, and it's this point that Jesus is seriously focused on examining the heart. Now, when you look at the Bible, all through the scriptures, Jesus looks at the heart. And we've seen this over and over again in the Word as we looked at the end of Acts. Jesus was looking at the heart. We saw this even last week in the passage about, hey, what's your heart like? And, and, and let's understand the context. The disciples right here were in the middle of a little spat. They were fighting with each other. It's really interesting. Look at Mark 8. I want you to uh, look at this. And, and what they, they had just watched Jesus perform one of the greatest miracles ever. I mean, I mean, imagine this. He, he, Jesus had just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves and a couple of fish. They just watched him do that. And, and, and then you, they had, this scripture says they had seven baskets full of broken pieces at the end. And, and, and then in typical fashion, if you look at Mark chapter 8, um, the, the Pharisees come to him and they, they begin to question Jesus. And remember what the Pharisees asked him? Lord, show us a sign. Show us a sign from heaven. And I want to look at them going, are you kidding me? I mean, you talk about blind. They, Jesus just fed 4,000 people, and then the Pharisees come and go, hey, show us a sign from heaven. And Jesus is like, all right. And he, he's looking at them going, you guys are blind. Then the disciples get in a boat, and they get in a fight with each other. And, and, and both, of the, both the disciples and the Pharisees, you, you talk about the clue phone is ringing, and they don't pick it up, okay? This is, this is crazy. They, I, mean, I mean, think about the Pharisees. They were the ones, they were religious leaders. They knew the law. They knew the prophets. They knew what the word said. Of anybody, they should have been expecting the Messiah to come, but they didn't. They didn't see him. And then look at verse 17. I want you to look back at verse 17 in Mark chapter 8. And Jesus was aware, like, like they're fighting. The disciples are fighting over bread because what happened as they got into the boat, look at the context. They only brought one piece of bread, one loaf of bread. And they start going, you knotheads, who, why didn't you bring the bread? And then they start fighting with each other about not bringing the bread. Okay, Jesus just performed a miracle of seven baskets full of bread. Do you think one loaf of bread would have been a problem for Jesus? No. And they start fighting with each other. And look what Jesus says in verse 17. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive? Do not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts Hardened, having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you remember? You know what, what's, what's there, there's so many interesting implications here. And I think this is important for us. You know, the first implication I think about how, how minor issues often become major distractions. This is true for us, true for us in the church. 
We allow some minor issues to come between us and to distract us. Notice this. I think this is an interesting point. Internal conflicts often are often the first spiritual attacks during successful ministry pursuits. Think about that. After God works and God moves, what happens often with believers? Satan attacks by making us oppose one another. I think it's interesting. And, and then, then I think it's very important as we wrestle through this passage for all of us to keep, keep your eyes open, keep listening to the Lord, and keep a tender heart to, to his spirit. Because the disciples were missing this whole thing. Now I want you to look at verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought, him, brought, him, brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. Gosh, I love this. I love this. He shows up at Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man, their friend, and begged Jesus to touch him. This is the kind of passion I pray for in my own life. This is the kind of posture I pray for as I walk with the Lord. Lord, um, I pray that we all feel this. And I pray I never, that we never stop feeling this. That we have a responsibility to connect people to Jesus. You realize that's a calling we have, right? That, that everywhere we go, God gives us open doors to connect people to Jesus. And I don't think it's insignificant that they go to Bethsaida, and this group of people are like, I got to get my friend to Jesus. It reminds me of, of when, I, when I think about something that has constantly been at the forefront of my heart, Matthew 9. Remember Matthew 9? That's when Jesus was with his disciples and, and he saw the crowds, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. He saw the crowds, and he was moved with compassion. And, 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 and he said, said to his disciples, look, look, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends workers into the harvest field. And, you know, this is one of the things that motivates, the, motivates me. Lord, when I look at the world, Lord, I see so many that don't know you. And folks, here we are in a Bible belt, if you will. But yet we are around a growing number of people who don't know Christ. And it's my prayer that every day we recognize the call to lead people to Jesus. Here's my, my prayer for you. My, my hope for us is that we feel this, we recognize this, that, and let's think about it, uh, all through, since the beginning, since Jesus was with his disciples, one-on-one, one-to-one has always been God's salvation plan, this one-to-one. From the very beginning of time, one-to-one, that's how God calls us to share the gospel. And, and, you know, this has been the historic plan of God. And, and, and so it's, it's good to have 
big events. It's good to have uh, big things that we do, but, but, but the people come to faith one-to-one. And that's been the plan of God. You know what I, what I look forward to in heaven? I, I started a podcast not too long ago. And, and, uh, and you know what's interesting about um, these interviews that I've led, I, I've, I've been leaning into this concept of grief and loss. I interviewed a guy that talked about heaven. And he, and, and, uh, he wrote a book on heaven called The Glory Now Revealed, which is an incredible book. And, and Andy, uh, he said to me, you know, in heaven we're going to learn. He goes, in heaven, we're going to be, able to be able to trace the story of God all through history with all people. That's going to take eternity. You know, in heaven, we're, we're not going to be omniscient when we get to heaven. We're going to learn. We're, we're not going to be like God. We're not going to suddenly know everything. God's still going to be God, and we're still not going to be God. So we'll learn. And he goes, he goes think about this. You'll be able to trace the thread of the gospel one-to-one, all the way back to the Great Commission. How cool will that be? To be able to trace the gospel all through history to you. Hey, think about this. Think about being able to look ahead and trace the gospel. I think about the number of kids you shared the gospel with. Think about being able to trace that story looking ahead until Jesus returns. You know, I think it's not insignificant that we look at this and and realize the one-to-one communication plan of the gospel. This is why, you look, it's, it's not our job as pastors to be the one that shares the gospel with everyone. Our job is to equip you to share the gospel. And I'll tell you all through history, God puts a burden on the hearts of his people to go share the gospel. This is why I'm rabidly committed to making sure that the gospel is continually shared right here in this part of Tulsa. It's absolutely critical. And, and, and it's this, that's God's communication plan to raise up believers, to, to share the gospel right here and then to make disciples and then, and then to build a church and then to, um, to raise up leaders and then to send leaders. Now look at verse 22 again. I want, to, I want us to notice something. I think this is really important. Look at that first, those first four words. And they came to Bethsaida. That, that's really important to notice. You know, when you read the Bible, you got to pay attention to some of these details in these places. Um, you remember Bethsaida? Turn to Matthew chapter 11. Turn over there real quick to Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Because Bethsaida is a pretty significant city. Um, Matthew 11, verse 20 says this, Then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, look, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. You know what's interesting about Bethsaida? The people of Bethsaida were were continually rejecting the work of God. 
Um, and, and you know what Jesus did? But that he... He's telling them, I'm removing the light from your city. That, that, that's, that's interesting as we wrestle through and, and process because God, at times, will turn people over to their own way of thinking. You can rebel to the point where God says, all right, you're not going to want it, but I'll give you what you want. This is a pretty big warning about rejecting the word of God, rejecting the voice of God, rejecting the people of God. And, and you know, the fact that God put that in his word to really communicate this to us, um, we ought to pay attention to it. I don't know if you've noticed, if, if you've, like in our reading today, very interesting, in Deuteronomy chapter 2. This struck me today. We, we started, if, if you're in our reading plan, we started the book of Deuteronomy today. And in Deuteronomy chapter 2, it, it's, it's really interesting because it just caught my eye and my heart as, as I thought about even Bethsaida, talking about Bethsaida today. Because remember Deuteronomy chapter 2, God said to Moses, he said, hey, look, uh, you're... Um, you're, you're not going to get into the promised land. And, and he, he gives this warning in chapter 14 and 15. I think it's really interesting. Now, the time that it took in Deuteronomy chapter 2. Flip over there real quick. I want you, I want you to see this piece that we read today. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. It says, now the time that it took for some of us to come to Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over the Wadi Zered was 38 years until all the generation of men of war perished from within the camp. Just as the Lord sworn to them, indeed the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from within the camp until they all perished. I think it's, I think it's notable to recognize that there are, the posture of God's people at that point were so rebellious that God said, I'm going to give you the promised land, but you don't get to experience it. Moses didn't even get to experience it. So I think it's significant that Jesus is looking at his disciples right here saying, guys, look at your heart. Pay attention to your heart. Hey, don't miss what I'm doing right in front of you. Because this is not only a warning to the Pharisees that, that were completely rebellious. This was a warning to the disciples. Guys, don't miss me. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to miss God. Look at verse 22 or 23. Let's look at this miracle. I think this miracle is really interesting. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus in his hand, uh, laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Okay, so, you know, when, when I read this, you got you to think, did, did, did Jesus make a mistake here? I mean, I mean, think about what he did. He spit on the, kind of messy, you know. Um, 
you know, pretty, pretty aggressive to, to like spit in enough, enough to make mud. I don't know if you've ever tried that. You know, try that this week, maybe. Um, it'll, 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 you have to have some water, you know, it's going to take some work. I don't know if you had a cup of water, I don't know. Um, but, he, but he did, he spit and he put it on his eyes and he took it off. It, you know, at first glance, you would say, well, maybe Jesus needed a little more help. Maybe he did it wrong. Maybe he didn't spit right. Um, because this is one of those instances that he had to do it twice. Because if you look at the miracle, he said, what do you see? Well, I kind of see, but not clearly. And um, I think the context is verse 17. Because think about the disciples. The disciples just saw Jesus perform the most incredible miracle. And he kind of saw, they kind of saw Jesus, but not clearly. And Jesus was going, no, I want you to clearly see me. And you know what this tells me? It tells me this, point three, I think is just clear to me here, that everyone needs to be healed of blindness. Sometimes we're blind. The God at work right in front of me. Sometimes, sometimes I'm blind to the voice of God, the, the work of God. And I feel it in my own life. You know, I think about times that God has moved in my life and then I continue to doubt him. Times that I get caught up in fighting over silly things. Uh, that, that really aren't the main things. That's what the disciples were doing here. And, and you know, as, as I was just processing this, I just kept thinking, the lost, they need to see who Jesus is. The lost around us need to see who Jesus is, but, but believers need to never forget who Jesus is. And, and sometimes I think we forget we come to know the Lord and we, we get in the grind of life and ministry that, that sometimes we forget, Lord, you have forgiven me. You, you have touched me. Lord, you've worked in front of me. Um, you know, the, another thing that just came to my heart and my mind, the lost need to understand what Christ has done. You know, the Pharisees, Golly, they needed to understand that it was the prophets who predicted Christ's coming. That there's a Messiah that was going to come. And what was he going to do? He was going to take away the sins of the world. He was going to deliver us not from the Romans. I mean, the Pharisees and the Jews at that time, many of them thought, man, this Roman rule needs to go. Jesus is going to come. The Messiah is going to come. And he's going to lead a military coup over the Romans. See, Jesus came to fight a bigger enemy than a world power. I'm reading a book right now called The Rise and Fall of Ancient Civilizations Up to the Roman Empire. It's fascinating. It's, this, this book is 87 chapters long. It's a long book. You know what that tells me? Civilization, civilizations and world powers come and go. Rome came and went. Hey, let me tell you something. America will come and go. Folks, 
Um, but here's the thing. Jesus entered the world to combat a bigger enemy than a Roman. He came to, to, to utterly destroy and defeat sin and death. You know how big that is? Pretty big. This week, I've done two funerals. I got one more next week. And, you know, there's, there's some other people that are in our church that are, that are right up to death's door. You know what? Death is the last step of obedience for a follower of Christ. Death's not the end. Death is simply the door to eternal life. Folks, let me tell you something. Next week, we're going to look at the end times. And when, when this world comes to an end, existence won't come to an end. Life won't come to an end. There's an eternal life that's for real. And see, the lost need to understand what Christ has done. At the same time, believers, we better never forget. what We, we, we must not forget what Christ has done. And sometimes we forget that, that oh my goodness, the, the, the people in my life need Christ. They need Jesus. And, and, and so often we're compelled to silence because we live in a, a world that opposes our faith. Let me tell you something. We, we must never be silent about our faith in Christ. And the lost are around us every day. And if you start asking the Lord to help you see it, see the people that need Christ, you'll see it. You'll, you'll have the opportunities. You know what? The, the lost need to see who Jesus is. So do the believers. The lost need to understand what Christ has done. We must never forget that. The lost need to see what Christ is doing. And we as believers, hey, we must not overlook what Christ is doing right now in front of us, around us, in us, through us. And, and I'll tell you, we, when, when I just think about this passage, it's very interesting because Jesus didn't mess up in this miracle. Though it's really interesting that he, that he healed them twice. And he kind of healed him the first time, but then he really healed him the second time. But you know what I think the message was? It wasn't for this guy. Jesus was planning on healing the blind guy the whole time. But I think he was speaking to the heart of the disciples. And that's why he said to them, golly, fellas, look at your heart. Open your eyes. Open your ears. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I came to do. And, and I can't look at, we, can, we can't look at this passage without recognizing um, that every person was born spiritually blind. The, the Pharisees were born spiritually blind. Uh, they, they, needed to be, they needed their eyes open. The disciples needed their eyes open. You know what? You and I need our eyes opened to the gospel, to the message of Christ, to forgiveness and the call of God. And this is what I, 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 uh, I got to rub shoulders with a young lady this week who really was struggling with the church. And she said, you know, I like Jesus, but I just kind of like him on my own terms. And I don't really like the church very much. 
I'm a pastor. I don't like the church sometimes very much, you know, because you know what? We wrestle with each other. I'm leading these Oklahoma Baptist meetings that are quite interesting. And um, tomorrow, I'm going to be at leading, or tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday, I've got Oklahoma Baptist board meetings. And in our Baptist world, we wrestle some. And um, I had a guy say to me last week, Chris, I don't know if you're an idiot or a genius with these things that I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, I don't know either. But, but you know what? You know what I'm learning about my life? I need the Lord. And I pray that God continues to help me see and feel. But, but I'm also recognizing like this young lady that I'm going to continue to reach out to. And I have a reason to because of the funeral this week. You know, I, I want her to see that just a high opinion of Christ won't save her. You know, just because you think well of Jesus, that doesn't save you. And, and, and you know, that's why I want to ask us, are, are, do, you, do you have your eyes open to Jesus? You know, I've said many times over the last several months, this question, are you saved? Are you saved? You know that there was a soldier came to my office a week ago. He was there Wednesday night. He comes to my office two Wednesday nights ago and said, man, I've been in church my whole life. Um, I walked down the aisle when I was a kid, and this guy just retired from the military with a 32-year career last week, 32 years in the, in the Army and the Navy. I don't know how that worked, but that's what he did. Um, he was in security. This is a guy that if ever a fight breaks out, I'm going to pay attention, and whatever side he's on, I'm going to be on that side. But yet he looked at me. He said, you know what? I've never been saved. I've never been saved. And I, and I go, well, let's talk about that. And I'm trying to, trying to talk him into going, hey, you're probably all right, right? But he kept saying, we kept digging into it. And after about 30 minutes, I go, Brian, I don't think you've been saved. Um, it's tricky when you've been in church a long time. Can I just, there, there's a guy named Mark Dever. I don't agree with everything Mark Dever says, but I think he's really smart. Um, he kind of articulated three good questions for me to evaluate, are you saved? Are you saved? And so I think these questions are, are good. Right now, do you have a present trust in Christ alone for your salvation? Do you have a real faith in Christ? Because, you know, it's, you come to Christ by faith, right? It's not by works. You don't earn your way. So often I talk to people and they go, well, I did this, or I did that, or I did this, I was this. That's not how you know you're saved. You have right now a present trust in Christ alone for your salvation. Here's another question. Is there evidence of a regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Is the Holy Spirit at work in your life? 
That's a good question. To ask, is the Holy Spirit speaking to you, growing you, convicting you? You know, do you have, like, like one of the things that Brian said to me, he goes, he goes, you know what? I could go sin and do whatever I wanted and never even face me. I didn't really care. I was like, we ought to look into that. Because the Holy Spirit does not allow you to just go live in rebellion. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit confronts you, convicts you, gets in your way. And then do you have a pattern of growth in your life? Can you look back and see some growth? I think those are good questions to wrestle through. You know, the disciples were in this moment. They needed to see Jesus because they had work to do. They had a job to do. They had a calling. And, and you know, I'm thankful. I, I long for the day that I can be in heaven and look back at the one to one to one to one to one to one to when Jesus saved me. You know, let's open our eyes to the Lord. Let, let's be a people that recognize, Lord, we need you today and every day. Let's, let's tackle this together. And let's realize that, look, the Lord is with us. Jesus is with us. And he's leading us and he's guiding us and he's, and he's moved us together. And I think about what God's done in our own church that, that today God has called us to this part of the city and he's expanded our those that have historically been in this church, God has entrusted you to expand your reach into Owasso. God has entrusted us and expanded our reach into Tulsa. And together, we get to come together and walk with Jesus and serve the Lord. And now here, Cali today, the gospel will be proclaimed. This passage will be proclaimed in English and in Spanish. Look, that's pretty cool. That's the Lord at work. Let's trust him. We're going to have an invitation. And, and I like invitations because they're confrontational. I like, I, I, I'm, uh, I like the confrontation because I need it. Because one day Jesus confronted me, Chris, you're going the wrong way. You need a savior. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your head right where you are. And as you bow your head, here's what I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I won't, uh, I won't single you out. But if you can let me be the only one looking, I'd appreciate it. If you're not sure of your salvation, would you raise your hand? Is there anybody here that would say, I'm not sure? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. You know, um, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, if you come to Jesus, he'll save you. He will. 
and you could come to him today. He'd save you. I saw one. So the rest of you know Christ as your Savior. Hey, let's let's not bicker with with each other. Let's serve together. Let's trust what the Lord has done and what the Lord is going to do and what the Lord is doing. Jesus is going to lead us in just a song. Maybe you need to just sit and pray. Maybe you need to come and talk to me. We'll help you. Um, Let's not miss the Lord today. Father, we give you this time. And I thank you, Lord, that you have spoken through your word. And I thank you for this incredible miracle that we got to read this week. And I pray, Father, that you would even speak right now. I love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Move us now. When you're ready, you stand. Let's sing.